The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And you took me way back then, Will. We had a discussion about the microphones. And whether they were in the right direction. <laughs> because uh, I think in the Christmas episode, they were not. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, because uh, I, I cut that episode and uh, I haven't cut an episode in a while. And I was listening to it, it sounds like, like really muffled or in the distance. So it came into the pod cave and I was like, oh, yeah, they're, they're pointed in the wrong direction. That's the, th- the thing that I don't understand, though. It's like there's almost like a ghost of this podcast because there's no reason that we'd be pointed in the opposite direction. It's not like when we finish podcasting, we turn them around until next time. Like from the last time I podcast, I just assumed they were still in the correct direction. Yeah, but we fuck around a lot when we come into the pod cave. Like we have to step around the mic stands and stuff. Like there is a bit of faffing. So I reckon that there- it's not inconceivable that we could have moved it in one of our 15-minute get-into-the-chair-talk-about-football pre-show I mean, conversations. But, but for both of us to have put them in the opposite That's direction to what they need to are. be. <laughs> you know how, like, John Lennon and Paul McCartney were so in sync they created amazing music? We're so in sync we create terrible podcasts. Right. I mean, terrible audio, I yeah. would like to think, rather than terrible content. Who knows? You'd yeah. be the judge. Anyway, this uh, podcast brought to you by uh, our subscribers on Patreon. Because Thank we haven't you. had a chance... Really, to talk uh, in a live sense, I've mentioned it a couple of times at the intros and stuff, but um, to talk about the fact that uh, people actually support the podcast now, and it's fantastic, and the support's been really fantastic so far, overwhelming response, really, and we're going to add some more, like, shit to it, and, uh, you know, look, if we can get to a, a, like, a certain amount of Ramona is like, (laughs) she's like, she's no more, she's like, no more, (laughs) you know what it is, I think she doesn't like the podcast. Oh, really? I think she came in. Well, it's because I'm back, Right. while I was gone. She was the world's worst co-host. Right. And now you're back and yeah. she's like, fuck this guy. <laughs> fuck this guy. I don't like him. I just want to sit in here with you farting in front of strangers. Yeah. She's like the Sammy Hagar. Like, you know, when David Lee Roth left Van Halen, Sammy Hagar took over and everyone's like, yeah, Sammy Hagar's good. It still sounds like Van Halen. And then David Lee Roth comes back and is like, oh, no, no, no. That, that's much better. Right. You're the Sammy Hagar of dogs. How do you feel about that, Ramona? Ramona, Ramona does not feel good about it. I think she's the one who turned the mics around. <laughs> I think she snuck in here, pissed on the floor, as she sometimes does, and then turned the microphones around. She was like, fuck your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, our first kind of uh, post-break holiday, summer break. We both had holidays. Yeah, we did. It's you true. went to Honkers. Well, that was a work trip slash holiday. Yeah. So I, I had to do two hours of standing up comedy. Well, I did 70 minute shows. So whatever that is, do the math yourself. But yeah. I was meant to do an hour, but there was no show after me. So it was a little extra. Um, and uh, it was one of those things where it was the first year of a festival, Charlie. Now yes. I'm going to tell you and the, the Hong Kong comedy festival. Uh, it was the Utter Belly Festival. Now Utter Belly are one of the huge producers in Edinburgh, the, the world's biggest uh, arts festival there at Edinburgh. Um, in the comedy sense, 
there are only a few massive producers, massive venues, and yeah. and Underbelly, Underbelly is one of those. They're Underbelly. Ma- so, the, the the group is called Underbelly, oh. but they, their main venue is called the Underbelly, and it is an upside down purple inflatable cow. It's kind of like the Spiegel tent, but it's a it's a venue they take all over the world, and you perform in an upside down inflatable cow, basically, right? And um, I left a dairy farm. You to- realize you just said that sentence. <laughs> You go to work in an upside-down inflatable cow. Right, that travels the world. <laughs> I've worked in that cow in Scotland, I've worked in that cow in England, and I've worked that in that cow now in Hong Kong. It's the reason that inflatable cow yeah. took me to Hong Kong. I left the dairy farm 24 years ago, Charlie, in my white barina that I got for my 18th birthday, well, that I bought for myself for my 18th birthday, and uh, I drove away, and I said, no more cows, never yeah. look back. Yeah. I, will annoy, I will enjoy cheese, I will drink some milk in my coffee, but... Yeah. You said, sorry, cows, I'm moving on. That's what I said. <laughs> I said, I am utterly sick of your shit, <laughs> and I am out of here. So they were cheesed off, but I think everything was fine in the end. Uh, anyway, <laughs> don't want to butter you up, but here is uh, what I was trying to say. Uh, I went to Hong Kong and I performed in a giant upside down inflatable purple cow under the building uh, from The Dark Knight Rises. Ah, yeah. right. The one that when he has to bust in to get the dude. Well, technically, I was under the building that he flies from to bust into that building. Okay. So, but yes, in that general vicinity, the yeah. original building rather than the broken into. So, building. is that like the tallest building in uh, Hong Kong or something? Is that why it's? It a- is now. Have you ever been to Hong Kong? No. It's fucking. I, I. It's rad. I loved it. I like. I. I thought I, I had a really good time. I had a much better time than I expected that I was going. What do have. I know about Hong Kong? Yeah. What do you know? That's yeah. So I knew nothing. I really stumbled into Hong Kong with the gist of what Hong Kong would be like, and Hong I was Kong. wrong. What I was do Hong I know wrong about? <laughs> what? <laughs> Hong Kong. I uh, yeah. What do you know? What uh, do you imagine Hong okay. Kong to be? Um, they it was a British colony. I know that. Mm-hmm. So I imagine there's a lot of English speaking there, right? English speaking uh-huh. uh, uh, Chinese people. Yeah, not as much as you. Are they but... are they considered Chinese? Okay, yeah, or well, Hongkongese. They're, they're Chinese now. Like, is Hongkongese a word? Uh, I, well, it's a word. <laughs> <laughs> it may be a racial slur. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure what the people of Hong Kong actually call themselves, uh, but they are... Honkies. Um, honkies. <laughs> Got it. We're honkies. Uh, you a natural honky? Yeah, I'm a honky. <laughs> From way back. Uh, yeah, originally British and now Chinese. Yeah, so, right. But predominantly, as you walk around, Chinese, like, Asian-looking people. Yeah. And certainly, yes, people in businesses and stuff speak English, but don't expect that everybody speaks English. Don't expect that you can walk into a shop and the person there will necessarily speak English because that is not the case. Uh, it's a harbour city. Yeah, it's on the water. All right. That's yeah, not okay. Bad. That's not Because I, I see those like, uh, like I mean, all right. I may have <laughs> about to lose all my all my credits. Like uh, dragon boats, do you see kind of like old... Old sort of sailboats, like dragon boats, Chinese sailing boats in the harbour. Mm, are you thinking about the Chinese New Year celebrations at Darling Harbour yes. in Sydney? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking. Of, are you in, thinking about the Birdman th- Rally th- at no, Moomba? I'm, I'm thinking of Indiana Jones. You're made out of big hands, right? Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, that's right. that's my other. Yeah. I think that's Hong Kong. Isn't I mean, it? you get old. You don't possibly. I did not see any in the week that I was there, and we were on the harbour. But um, Jackie Chan drove. A car through like is there kind of like a um, a favela district like you got in Brazil like all kind of like sort of cheap houses all like on a hillside somewhere? You, yes, but you know the most interesting thing about uh, Hong Kong was 
I've never seen a city. Like, there's 8 million people, nearly 8 million people in, like, this tiny island. Like, you've been to New York, right? And people talk about the idea of New York being, like, busy or, like, New York being this city Mm. that never sleeps. Fuck, New York's nothing. New York's on fucking NyQuil compared to Hong Kong. Like, Hong Kong, these people are all jammed in together. The subway system there is the most amazing thing I've ever been on in my entire life. It's, like, the, the way they get around that city and, like, you know, the packed, like, you know, trains and whatever, but the way that it all functions in it, like, a really mm. really good and effective way it, it's insane but the you will see these billion dollar like monolith high like skyscrapers and then right next to them is like a building made out of bamboo like somebody has made like <laughs> and and i know this, and and three little pigs live inside it right <laughs> i know and yeah and then there's one that's made out of straw and it's like <laughs> I know that sounds like outrageous or like some yeah. cultural stereotyping, but genuinely construction there is often done on these more like what I'm basically Organic. saying is, well, the poverty and the luxury are side by side. And because I guess of the high rise skyscraper nature of it, you will have these like, you know, really expensive buildings with these like modern glass, you know, angled windows and, you know, the, the building lights up at night with all these like, you know, like kind of laser shows and shit like that. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. They're really big into that. In fact, they do this sky show on the buildings at night. You can go out on the harbour and watch this sort of laser show that they project on the buildings and stuff. Yeah. But next to that is literally a building that was made by that fourth little pig who moved to Hong Kong (laughs) and was just like, I'm going to whack up a building. And all you see out the windows and stuff is people like, you know, drying their clothes and, you know, they're they're genuinely these kind of the equivalent of like, I mean, council flats or, or whatever that would be, you know, low rent. Low, yeah, kind of community housing or whatever, and so so is it inner city living? Like, is it it's sort of like like New York, one big city? So you've got like residential is in the heart of the city as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it's but when when we talk about residential, you've never seen high rises like at this city. Really? Like everything's in a high rise. Right. Everything's in a high rise or a mall. In yeah. fact, I said to the people at my show because the show, the festival they're having, the Big Purple Cow, is down by the water, by the harbour, and I said, "This room, you're very lucky to be here because it's the only space that size in the entire of Hong Kong. There wasn't forty thousand people in. Yeah, right. Like you know, in fact, there was leg room. That's how I should have advertised the show. Yeah. Come." Stretch your legs for a second. But you're seeing that you're seeing that happening in Sydney too. It's probably happening in other Australian cities as well. But that high density city living, like yeah. if you drive through Waterloo, well, big. Alexandria, yeah. everyone's everyone's going up. I actually read this book. Did we talk about this on the show? I can't remember. It's, I read this book last year by this futurist. It's called Fifty Two Things You Need to Know About the Future, and yeah. it's all his project uh, predictions. And it's very depressing for the first half of the book because it's all like we're at peak oil, we're at peak water. You know, it's only downhill from here. Uh, but then the second half of the book is like possible solutions. And yeah. one thing they talk about is vertical farming and the idea that sort of uh, farming in rural areas and transporting that into cities where most of the people are is a completely inefficient way. You know, it's bad for the environment, it's bad for the animals. And what we should be doing is actually creating vertical farms right. where you could grow like, you know, crops and have livestock that wouldn't be subject to kind of weather conditions. You know, it's- And what an elevator. What a delight of an elevator. <laughs> Seventh floor, cows. <laughs> Ninth floor, weed. Anyone out for weed? It's like that. 11th floor, soy ba- and kale. The bad Star Wars films, the, the prequels. Yeah. What's that city that there's a planet that's just like a giant city? Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, kind of. Okay. The fifth element. <laughs> I guess a little Judge Dredd. Yeah. If you, some sort of futuristic thing. <laughs> yeah, where everything's a city. But like, that kind of feels like 
I read this other thing. Uh, but also, by the way, Australia is that. You what? know, I mean, Australia, this is the great thing that never we have not come to terms with as a country, is the fact that we think of Australia as this wide brown land, yeah. you know, the world's biggest continent, like the bush and the yeah. Australian outback. And But no one lives there, mate. Yeah. I think it's 95% of Australians or whatever live in three capital cities yeah. or something ridiculous. No, 95% by the coast and then like 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 80% or something ridiculous like that are basically in three cities. Mm. Like living in high-rise buildings. Yeah. That's where we, we we are, I think, one of the world's highest. This is full of tofop facts. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have literally given you the gist now of three articles I read yeah. that I'm combining into this one thought. But... But basically, I believe we are amongst the world's highest density, like, you know, city living people, even yeah. though we live in this, like, wide, you know, yeah. continent. But I, I, read, I read an article that said the uh, rental prices in Sydney have gone up by 30% in the last five years, which is like a, a record. Like, it hasn't gone up that quick or that much anywhere else in the world. Right. And they say and housing prices will never go down. Yeah, bet your house on it. Oh, hang on. I'm, I'm in the <laughs> no, big I've got short. a feeling that maybe that went <laughs> wrong on, sometime. What? But um, they were saying, you know, there's a couple of problems. Firstly, like the wage hasn't gone up. It'd be great if the wage had gone up by 30% as well. But if you live within 20 kilometers of the CBD in Sydney, you could be paying anywhere between 30 to 80% of your wage is going to rent. If you're an owner or have got investment properties, it's fucking like party time because there's such a high demand. But they were saying the trend in Australia, we went from, it used to be that Australia, when you... Uh, you know, started a family or bought a house, you wanted to get out of the city and get some space because cities would be empty at like at evenings and on weekends and stuff because everyone was out in the suburbs. City's fucking shut. Exactly. What are you doing here, mate? City's fucking shut. Go home. (laughs) You know what? You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. This is the city. (laughs) Lockout laws in the city. That's maybe they should try that. That was the old lockout laws. (laughs) 6 p.m. But then get pe- home. people decided they wanted the best of both worlds. They wanted to be right. where the action is and well, stuff. That's what people always want, the best of both worlds. So uh, China has invested $6 billion into – that's why Sydney's uh, rent- rental boom has occurred, mainly through Chinese investment, which is those buildings we are talking about before around Waterloo and the inner west. But the problem, Will, is there's now like 20,000 empty apartments in right. Sydney. So – if you own a few investment properties, all of a sudden you're not going to be able to charge what you could charge before. I mean, well, yes, if if they are rented out. I mean, it's an interesting thing when you balance that in the economy because, like, um, uh, you know, I, I do believe that foreign investment should only be used for new buildings. I think that makes complete sense because you don't want people coming out here artificially inflating the price and not living in the places that already pre-exist. But if you're like adding to the economy, like people have to build things and, mm. and whatever, then you're creating something that goes into the economy. But the fact is that China, like all these oligarchs and stuff, have made this massive amount of money in a communist country that they are not technically allowed to keep. And they've had to get it offshore as quickly as possible. And a lot of that has flushed straight into the Australian real estate market. And whatever the ramifications of that are going to be ongoing, we have no fucking idea. It could be our, you know, American housing crisis. Like, we don't know what... Is that what people are suggesting? Well, I mean, if because the Chinese boom is now ending, you know, like, and, and the, the crazy thing about the Chinese thing as well is that, like, it's not a... We are in Macau. And Macau is a gambling island, basically, these days. Seven times, uh, our friend was telling us, seven times the amount of money. You're in Macau and you're performing in Macau. I know, seriously. <laughs> it's the Macau trip. Yeah, I was so... Uh, 
I was so um, uh, upset because uh, in the casino we stayed in, in Macau, our friend uh, runs the entertainment for Jamie Packer's new casino. Now, is that the one where they paid DiCaprio and, and De Niro and Scorsese like a billion dollars each? to $70 million. Dollars, most expensive ad ever made. A 12-minute film. Uh, this was made to launch this place. Was it directed by Scorsese or he just was in it? Brett Ratner, I believe, was behind the helm. Ooh, imagine directing Martin Scorsese if Mate. you're Brett Ratner. Mate, isn't that just like That's you go, like- hey, we've got Scorsese. Oh, brilliant. He's the world's most uh, amazing director. Now we're going to get him to act. Rats has got the reins. <laughs> Brett Ratner's like, uh, I think we're open, we should open the wide shot. Scorsese's like, yeah, I don't. I think you should start with a close-up. He's like, what did you make? Oh, money talks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, I made Mean Streets. So I made good fellas. Brett Ratner uh, has a TV, uh, a movie production Rat company Pack. called Rat Pack with uh, Jamie Packer, um, and uh, they have produced um, some films. It is, do you reckon how long to come up with that name? Uh, it's one of those things. Well, I would say the name comes very easily. Rat Pack, right? Yeah. Obviously, Ratner Packer Rat Pack. Yeah, like, it's you know, like the uh, Brangelina of. It's it's just a very easy one. No <laughs> one's no companies. one's fucking around with that one. No one's yeah. going back. It's too second. obvious. Yeah, you no can't one, not. You can go. No one's good. No pack rat. Pack rat. <laughs> like, do you reckon one was a holdout for pack rat? No, do you James reckon, Packer probably. You know was. what? If you came up with pack rat first, yeah. If, if you hadn't thought of rat pack, <laughs> like pat rack is actually not a bad idea. Yeah. So you come in with pat rack. Yeah. And people are like, that's not bad. That's kind of catchy. Yeah. And then you have to go back with, oh, you know, no, how about Rat Pack? Well, Pat- what about Rat Cat? Oh, <laughs> damn it. You fucking... Oh. You know what? That was a fucking boxing match where I could see you were tiring and I was going to come in with Rat Cat. But then you just came with a flurry and I just... I didn't time it. I should have just gone for the knockout punch. Gave you the old rope dog. You did. <laughs> Motherfucker. So um, our friend uh, runs the entertainment uh, for Jamie's new casino that uh, they spent three point something billion dollars on this uh, casino because seven times the money goes through Macau than goes through Vegas per year. Seven times the money, right? Wow. They love to gamble. And a lot of it uh, has previously been, uh, again, Chinese money that needed to be getting out of China. And the best way to launder that money is through gambling, obviously. Um, Because cash. And you can't take cash back into the country but you can uh take Take assets back in so you're allowed to like buy a hundred and thirty thousand dollar watch or like a million dollar car and so what you do is you walk around these casinos and all you see are these shops for things like five staff for a shop that no one is in because all they need is one guy just to roll in at two o'clock in the morning and buy everything and then they are fine for the day just pause there for a second yeah that's amazing what you just told me. When you go back to Martin Scorsese being cast in this film, Martin Scorsese made a film called Casino. Right. Which basically is a is like a, an unflinching look at the dark side of gambling in right. casinos. And Rat Pack were like, who do we need? What really will sell? What, what would sell our casino? But you, De Niro's in it. Again, a guy who has nothing but unflattering portrayals of casino life in his back catalogue. <laughs> But that's what they were looking for, man. They wanted that recognition. Danger. I mean, we do love those films. Uh, Brett Ratner did. Brett Ratner is one of those guys that I think he's just been smart. Like he's found a guy 
um, uh, who had a lot of money and wanted to get into a thing and needed a guy who knew what he was talking about, and I who, reckon. And who needed a guy who knew Leonardo DiCaprio so he could go to some of those sweet parties. Right. But I basically, I think that's what was, was happening. Anyway, so the, this casino is... So we got this... Like, man, if you want to stay in a nice room, stay in something six weeks after they just spent $1.3 billion building it. Right. Because, man, it was amazing. Like just down to the 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 point where like uh you know all the power plugs are universal adapters, so like wherever you come from in the world you don't have to bring an hey adapter. Man, we got you, you just, covered, right? Yeah, just go down. It's and, like turning, please go down again. It's like turning up at a mate's party and he's got a bar set up. And right, like, oh, it'll be beer, wine, spirits. It's like, no, we've got everything, man. What do you want? Do you want imported beer? Yeah. Do you want local beer? You're right, like, but the only problem is that at some stage during the night he's going to ask you for a massive fucking favour, <laughs> and that's what casinos are. The massive fucking favour is please now go downstairs and lose all your money so we can pay for this shit. So. We weren't there to gamble. I don't gamble, and uh, um, but we were able to go on the the rides and stuff, like you know the attractions. And they have spent seventy million dollars on this. Like they've got Batman. rides in the casino, or yeah, is it like a, a attached theme park. Well, I mean, around the casino, they have like you know shows and stuff. They have big showrooms where they. Is can the have theme a, park indoors? Like Madonna was there. Like well, Madonna's going to play there. Like that casino. Like do a concert there. They've got this big like you know seven thousand seat whatever yeah, right. yeah theater. They also have like a magic show that plays three times a day that we saw a bit of, and they have like it's you like know, an entertainment juggernaut. Right. It's just like be entertained, be constantly entertained. Wherever you- <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a good time right. all the time. <laughs> I now, don't want please, the party to ever end. Now, <laughs> please go and get <laughs> So, I mean, to the point where we went to this restaurant for dinner, which was like a magic restaurant. And so during the night, like the staff will do like magic tricks. And like at one stage, like we're all quite drunk and we're sitting around this table. And suddenly, like one of the people at the table said, is this table like r- rising? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hang on. Are we having a seance? And they have this like thing where like the table during your meal just like slowly rises That's and you just amazing. don't notice it until like you're literally, you were leaning on your like elbow yeah. and suddenly your elbow's around your head and you're like, what the fuck is going on? I imagine it's like being in the restaurant from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The next thing that happens is they just wheel up a pig who just starts talking to you about the most delicious part of it to eat. Honestly. Be entertained. Now go and gamble. <laughs> so they spent $70 million on this like ride that you'd normally find at like, uh, you know, uh, Disney or Universal Studios or something. Yeah, like a roller coaster or something. Yeah, but kind of like one of those Simpsons rides or so- things where they're kind of like 3D, ex- yeah. like kind of multimedia experiences. And it's a Batman one. And so like the plot is that like, you know, um, well, basically you go into this room first and you're being shown around like, I guess like... Uh, I think Wayne Industries or Wayne Enterprises. Yeah. By the way, somebody did suggest, I think Kerry Murphy suggested on our Facebook page the other day, that for the network, we should call it either Tofop Industries or Tofop Enterprises. Oh, yeah. Which I think is <laughs> That's very, cool. very good. Um, so, uh, anyway, so then this guy who's meant to be um, uh, Morgan Freeman, but obviously they couldn't get Morgan Freeman for this fucking... I'm seven. not Morgan Freeman. <laughs> he talks exactly like him, yeah. but he does not look like him. I'm Morgan, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> he looks like the dad. I don't know what this actor's name is, but he's the, um, he's the guy who raised the yeah, Flash in the TV show, The Flash. Oh, yeah, from uh, the guy from... He was in Law uh, and Order. Law and Order, yeah. Yeah, that guy. Jesse something or another. Yeah, is. yeah I think so. Yeah. Anyway, that guy. That's he, he, so he plays Lucius. He looks like that guy. I don't uh, know if it is. Him. <laughs> Not even that guy. No, but it's a, it's a guy who looks like that guy, but sounds like Morgan Freeman. Yeah, it's the guy, guy from Fresh Prince of Bel Air, the, right. the kind of preppy. Uh, he's a preppy cousin. 
Oh yeah, okay, right, yes. Um, so uh, there's him, and it, like then suddenly there's an emergency, and then suddenly like Batman has to like fight everyone who's been released. So from you're Arkham just watching Asylum. this all. You're watching this happen, okay. and then like you know Batman like basically picks us up, and we fly in the bat he, through like, Gotham. He, he picks you up with his arms. No, he's in like the bat car, okay. and you're in like the bat, the plane, okay. and like you then go on this like you know adventure through like Gotham, like Hang fighting on. all these. So does Batman talk? To, who's playing Batman? Um, not not Christian Bale. Okay, like, good. But he, do the, he does the he does that sort and, of. And, and, there okay. is sort of that. And yeah. is it like? Is it? Oh, by the way, this is, is it, all in English, and most of the people at this casino do not speak English. Just for the record, <laughs> the most baffling thing. Just for the done. record, they have like Chinese subtitles and stuff. So Cantonese is it? Uh, is it a um, Batman? Is it like a movie canon Batman or comic book canon? Comic it, book. Okay, yeah. so they go more colourful and extreme. And is I he mean, wearing well, black so, black tights or grey tights? No, no, no. It's I mean, it's Christopher Nolan feel. It's very much dark. So he's wearing night, black armor. But yeah, but but there's sort of like the, the Joker is a bit more your yeah, traditional sort of comic book. You know, yeah. like what the Joker white, looks white like. Face, and yeah. Like Harley Quinn looks like what you'd imagine Harley oh, Quinn looks oh, like. Harley Quinn look Poison like? Ivy looks like what Poison oh, Ivy looks like. Charlie starts masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> Like, we paid seventy million every, dollars every with- year uh, after the San Diego uh, Comic Con. I always find myself just browsing through the uh, the cosplays. It's like right. just see if I can find just, a Harley uh, Quinn or a Poison the- Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> There's always one girl who's gone the extra mile. I'm like, good on you, thank you, <laughs> Charlie. What are you doing? Nothing. Uh, just uh, researching, <laughs> keeping up to date with uh, current events. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we went on that. That was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. So what happens in the... I want to know more about Batman. So what happens in the story? Well, basically the story is that Batman has to get you... Oh, well, no, the Joker's released the um, the Joker gas. What do you call that? The Smile one. X. Yeah. And uh, so we're no, all... that Joker. So you actually... Because it's a four-day experience, Charlie. Four-day? Yeah, it's Batman well, four-day. Okay, wow. So so the fourth day is like uh, smells and stuff. So like... That's not, the, that's not a dimension. <laughs> I don't think they understand physics. That the fourth dimension is like time, I'm pretty sure, isn't right. it? Well, it takes some time. Yeah. So, um, but time feels, and no. Uh, Do they actually blow smells in your face? Yeah, they you would have hated that. They You're blow very smell sensitive. You know what I would say? Well, I knew what I was in for. Does Batman just rip a fart? <laughs> <laughs> no reason. Sorry. Yeah. Batman's like. It was a bad dog. Batman drops his batarang and says, Can you pick that up for me? And when you scratch down, they blast fart in your face. Pull my finger. <laughs> You're like, this is an odd choice to put on the ride. <laughs> just keeps farting, but it's in the suit, so it never, like, it just legs out his mask. He's like, oh! <laughs> oh! <laughs> Bat farts. I'm on a lentil diet. <laughs> so, uh, what, so the plot is that Batman... <laughs> so, the Joker escapes from Arkham Asylum yeah. and the Joker releases the gas and we're infected by the gas and so Batman has to get us, our, this group of people who were... So you're just a helpless hostage. Yeah, we're just helpless hostages. But there's this moment where we're like, we're, we're in this kind of like, you're imagining this industrial sort of like lift or whatever, you know, this open lift that's got like, you know, that sort of like uh, metal Did you feel floor. like you were there? Like how convincing was just 3D. Oh, I mean, once you're in the ride, it looks amazing. Yeah. Like, it looks fantastic. Um, and is it kind of like, are you wearing goggles, like glasses? No. Oh. 
No, you, they just. But the weird thing is, it's a you go from this screen. experience, and then you walk through this thing, and then they have to take like five minutes to strap everyone into their chairs. Oh, so it loses momentum. Like, it really does lose them. It? <laughs> it's like one of those things where Batman's been so urgent about the fact that he has to drag us across town while he's fighting all the enemies. But like, th- this is the only time frame he can do it. He can't fight them first and come back for us. This is urgent. Yeah. Now let's take five minutes to strap you into chairs. Now you've just got to put these things through your legs, and there's these yellow. Does Batman actually stop like, the fight to yeah. say this? <laughs> Like his rogues gallery is bearing down on him. He just stops them and says, hang on. Between your legs. <laughs> <laughs> um, does the dude do the voice? He does a voice. He does. Like, not, not not as full on as Bale. No, but like, you know, somewhere where around the Affleck voice, you know, that generic sort of. Well, no, the Affleck voice, from what I can tell from the trailers, that he uses a voice modulator. Modulator. But this like is Stephen like. Stephen Hawking. <laughs> yeah. I am Batman. Is that, that doesn't sound he's like played by he's played I by am Eddie, Batman. He's played by Eddie Romaine. It's a really interesting <laughs> choice. He can do anything. Third Oscar in a row playing Batman. It's not what I do that defines me. Or knowing it's not who I am. Uh, somebody else has talked about this before. I've heard this conversation be had, but like, does Stephen Hawking still talk in that same voice? Because surely the technology technology has got so much better that he now could. Speaking yeah, like I, mean, I guess his Siri can sound right. flawless. Yeah, um, and big shout out there to uh, our listeners' series. Apparently, every time we have Siri on the show, it sets well, up everyone's series. No, I think the, no, I think it's as long as you don't say uh, hello, "Hey Siri." Hey Siri. Yeah. So don't say "Hey Siri." But I have. But as long as you don't say "Hey Siri," you'll be fine. Um, uh, uh, what were we talking about? Not saying "Hey Siri." No, before that, uh, does Stephen Hawking oh, still Stephen talk Hawking. in the same voice? Yeah, I think, but maybe it's his. I don't know. You reckon that's his voice? His voice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But still, wouldn't you kind of like, you'd at least kind of fine tune it a little bit, like, you know, speed it up, kind of. Mo- well, you know what? Like, you know what? You was. It, or would you not? Like, Is that your signature? Think about this. You said to me last time we did a podcast, oh, you keep one laptop around just because it's got the old version right. of GarageBand. Like, maybe he can't be fucked learning, like, new software. He's like, mate, I'm thinking about the very existence of the universe. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, I do the, not have time. The to level that my brain operates update. at, I have to constantly, like, on behalf of this world, warn people against the advances of artificial, like, intelligence and alien life forms. And no one really fucking listens to me. I have no time to learn this new thing. <laughs> I can't upgrade it. I'll lose my, I'll lose my addresses. But Stephen, you're the smartest man in the universe. They said, "Well, I'm not good at everything. <laughs> you know what? These fiddly day-to-day things, I'm I'm no good at. I mean, I bet there would be. You know, like I mean, if you're thinking at that level, mm. like they say that about, um, you know, uh, there's that thing about geniuses or whatever that a lot of them wear the same clothes every day mm. because they literally have no time to think about the idea that like. I don't even want to think yeah. for a minute about, like, I found something I like and yeah. I just put that on in the morning and I don't have to waste any time thinking about whether this goes with this or, like, blah, 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 blah. Unless you're at Suzanne. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, That's a deep a, cut. That is a deep cut joke. I don't know. Was that only for Victorian uh, listeners? If, if anyone understands that joke, hit, hit us up on Facebook. I want to know if anyone got... Don't explain it. We won't go back to it. We won't stuff. explain it? No. Really? Or you want it? <clears throat> Well, I mean, I, I'm not even sure we could explain it, but there was a That's clo- what I know if- there was a clothing store, yeah, called Suzanne. Called Suzanne, kind of like a, what, like a late 30s sort of um, casual businesswoman. I mean, I guess so. Yeah, a casual businesswoman on the weekend, maybe. Is yeah, it? it's more. Your, yeah, it's like your, It's not you to work wear, was it, or was it? I just I see a lot of beige. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I see a lot of beige and kind of right. like not heels, but kind of what are those half heel things that right. girls wear pumps. 
Yeah. That I mean, kind of... a lot of safe stuff. Yeah, straight like, hair. A lot of stuff you like. Do you, Shirts hey, buttoned up. Yeah. Do, you like, do you like things that won't cause any issues? You know what? Suzanne. If you if you if you're if you had a mate in high school whose mum she was super lovely yeah but she had the kind of house where you felt kind of nervous about sitting in the wrong place right. or putting stuff a bit back too nice. yeah yeah she probably shopped at Suzanne, Suzanne. <laughs> yeah but they their jingle went this, this goes with that at Suzanne but wasn't it this goes with this and this goes with this and this goes with that at Suzanne <laughs> oh my god. Wow, I just feel like we right. got in the DeLorean because you just took me back to being eight years old eating cereal on the floor <laughs> watching TV. This goes with this, this right. goes with this. Because this is the this thing. This goes with that at Suzanne. That was the trick of Suzanne. This went with this, but it also went with that. Yeah. That's your thing about your Suzanne wardrobe is yeah. you just buy your stuff at Suzanne and yep. then you just go, well, you know what? Everything I bought at Suzanne goes with something else that I when bought you at Suzanne. When you can't think of what to wear with your beige slacks. Right. And your white button-up sort of pinafore shirt. Right. I think the best thing to go for is a beige jacket. I was going to say... this goes with I was, that. I was going to say a light uh, blue over-the-shoulder cardigan. <laughs> you know what it is? Suzanne was sexless. Like, I mean, the female form is so beautiful and can be accentuated in so many ways. Like, you know... The 40s and 50s, the way they dress like the curves. Right. Suzanne came along and said, you know what? Yeah. We want to make None this of no sex. Yeah. <laughs> what is the blandest that we can make a woman look? Suzanne, are you almost religious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Suzanne is a 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> saving herself. Suzanne was saving herself. In a nice way. Suzanne, because you're nice. <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to Suzanne. Uh, if you want to send us a care package. Yeah, Suzanne's still around. Do you think Suzanne oh, no. is a brand that's still... This goes with that at Suzanne. <laughs> it's not a bad little sting, right? <laughs> we should reboot it. I like it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's, it feels... No. I think it's like brashes. Right. It's gone. It's gone. And I think it might have only been Victoria too, right? I don't even know. I mean, I only grew up there. It's so weird when you think about those sort of things of going, I wonder if Suzanne really broke out. Like if Suzanne was... (laughs) (laughs) You're right, it's ridiculous. (laughs) But you know, why not? That was like practical. Like there's that there's that woman that I keep reading about who uh, made the the yoga you know pants or whatever and it suddenly has this whole big Lulu Lemon is that is that who it is Lu- I don't I well don't, there's I, don't, a, I don't know there, there's a company called Lulu it's either Lulu Lemon or Lulu Lemon and uh-huh. depending I speak to different people and it's it's uh, I still don't have any conclusive proof either way okay so if you can email <laughs> I don't care that much Lulu Lulu Lemon Lulu Lemon Lulu I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say Lululemon. Okay. Because we're Australian. Yeah, We sure. don't go for that it's fucking, fucking lemon, mate, in this fancy country. Fancy fucking Le Mans. Le Mans. Le Mans is a bloody car race, I'm pretty mate, sure. when I'm fucking having a beer, I don't put a Le Mans in it. I don't put a fucking lemon either because I'm fucking Australian, <laughs> mate, and it's fucking beer. But... <laughs> You're reading an article about Lululemon. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I just like, you know, those ideas where somebody you know, goes, hey, yoga pants, that's what people want. And then everyone goes, hey, we want yoga pants. And then suddenly you're like a, you know, massive executive business person. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Suzanne could have been that. There could have been like a huge, like, oh, you know, fuck. Pra- no, practical I, I reckon fashion it was, era. You know I kind I mean? of feel like the area I grew up in Melbourne, if you were a mum between 40 and 50 years old, 
you know, in an upper middle class area, then yeah, they there's definitely a market for uh, it. Tell me this: where was Suzanne in the pecking order? Do you think behind? What? Never, never have two men. Uh, they had a conversation about <laughs> something that they know so little about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as in, in terms of like prestige uh, where, brands, where do you think it was in regard to, say, Country Road, for example? Uh, I'd was say it below, below or above Country below. Road. I said below Country Road. Okay, so if you were right, I say it's kind. It's kind of like um, uh, 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 Suzanne. Suzanne is to no, like there's just jeans, uh-huh. and then there's like a Levi's store, right? I'd say it's the just jeans of female. <laughs> you know what I mean about Just Jeans, though? I, I, I love that Just Jeans is still going. Is it? I, yeah. Like, you occasionally still... I don't know if they're everywhere now. Uh, but like, the thing is, they're, like not, you're, like but they're you're, not Just Jeans, are they? You can go in and get T-shirts, I'm pretty sure, at Just Jeans. Welcome to 1980s stand-up comedy. <laughs> Charlie Clawson. <laughs> they're not Just Jeans. It's like a fucking 80s Seinfeld Twitter account. <laughs> What's the deal with Just Jeans? <laughs> Peter Hellier, one of my favourite uh, jokes of Peter Hellier's was always, he had a joke when he first started about, uh, uh, he goes, I shop at bras and things. Not for the bras, just for the things. <laughs> I always love that joke. It's just such a simple joke. Um, yeah, but Just Jeans <laughs> is like one of those things that, like like Pie Face, where you think that Pie Face is shut down, but then occasionally there's just someone who's still running a Pie Face. They're so still they're, going. They're going strong, aren't they? No, oh, no. No, they, they, they basically went out of business. Oh, most of them. God. But there's like... A few in like key locations where they still do well that still go, but the, the news was kind of like they'd all gone out of business, but they haven't. So it's this weird thing, and so sometimes you'll see that with shops. You'll see a Just Jeans still rocking that brand yeah. in like well, there's other stores like General that. Like, Pants. Uh, Brumbies is bigger now. Brumbies. Remember, oh, the, like, remember the, Brumbies and, and Baker's Delight used to be like yeah, it was uh, equal neck and neck, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, <laughs> right? And then uh, uh, Baker's Delight just went fucking berserk. And now right. I always preferred Brumbies because you could get a pie and a sausage roll as well. Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did awesome pies. Yeah, I didn't think the quality of bread was as good, but they did have more variety. There is no doubt about that. Yeah, but they yeah they got smashed as well. You can still get you can still get a Brumbies. There's a Brumbies in Byron Bay. Well, fucking Dick Smith's is just fucking shut up shop. Look at us just naming rare Australian brands, really growing <laughs> the international appeal of this I, podcast. Well, hey, shut up if you're thinking that international listeners. We're getting nostalgic and shit. Sure, but Dick Smith, like he was in the if you grew up in the '80s, Dick Smith was kind of he was like our Richard Branson, right? In a way, yeah, he was. like he was this Australian business owner, and he flew a plane. <laughs> Yeah, he flew a helicopter mostly, and uh, but he's always he always was campaigning about like you know sort of buying Australian stuff and you know don't buy from the big multi. He's an Australian multi-millionaire. If like, but his whole I, thing was self-made. I'm yeah, dick. I'm like, dick my face is on the store. Yeah, you and he always me, call me a dick to my face. Yeah, and he's always named his products like he had matches called dickheads. Yeah, and stuff like and, that. And uh, he uh, had a knockoff of Tim Tams called Temptin, Temp Tim, Temptings. What were the um, Temptims? No, Temptins. What were the fucking hell? <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, though, right? Uh, what was the Auss- Aussie Mite? That was his Vegemite. His yeah. Australian Vegemite was Aussie Mite. I don't know what it is. Are you doing a vocal exercise? Are you warming up for work right now? Just doing some jazz. I love how Tofop's gone really jazzy. Yeah, but so he's. Well, that's like going to Aldi. 
like I, yeah. I, Amy and I went to Aldi in Byron, and that's like that. You know, like the idea of the multiverse. You know, you feel like you're in an episode of fucking Fringe when you go to Aldi. Like we were a bit drunk because it was like midday and yeah. we we're on holidays. And you thought I need a bike and a sausage roll and an inflatable pool toy. Right, and we went to Aldi, and I love it because it really does feel like you're in like what well, it feels like you're in a TV show where they didn't get any of the rights. Yeah, so they made everything look kind of like what it is. But it, it it's fun. It's like a different universe. Yeah. Um. Let's pause. Okay. And we're back. I may put uh, music in. I may forget, like I usually do. Don't. You'll see that there's. Two don't f- forget, or don't put. There's two. Fi- you'll see there's two files. Just remember to put music between them. No, I um. I oh, paused, paused it. it. Oh, yeah, man. I'm getting into the pause now, and I'm actually remembering to re non-pause rather than like push record again. Then you know, then I have two files. But it is good for editing. It's good for me putting the music in. I forget when I push pause. So maybe I should stop pushing pause. Maybe it's actually counterproductive. It seems like it's better, but it's actually not better for the end result. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. That's very That's deep. true. Yeah. I should just stop it because it reminds me to put in the fucking music. Yeah, just make it easy for yourself. Why am I, why why did I get obstacles for yourself? I mean, seriously, in streamlining it, I've made it worse. It's a Stephen Hawking thing. That's We've gone straight back to it. There you go. That's what it is. He probably thinks the updates aren't worth the problems they come with. Yeah, right. Yeah. Stick to what works for you. Right. Everyone that does knows, make sense. Right. Everyone knows his voice. It's my signature. Plus, probably, like, for his Siri and everything, it's, like, you know, like, already adjusted to that voice. So, if he changes it substantially. Yeah. I wonder, like, uh, I remember the first computer I had was an Amiga 500, and that had a very primitive <laughs> oh my God. text-to-voice. I don't even know what the Amiga 500 was. What was the Amiga 500? I mean, well, that sounds I'm- like that sounds like a robot from a 70s computer. <laughs> I'm not like a, a... What do you say, Omega 500? I'm not like a genuine geek or nerd when it comes to computers. But from my understanding, uh, when Apple was still muddling about in the late 80s, early 90s, IBM took over because all my friends had IBMs, which were kind of... What Apple did so well in those ads with Justin Long is that's what the IBM computers were like. They're very stuffy. They were good for doing homework on. That's right. what, That was my impression of them. And you could play games, like they had like certain games, but they all my friends played these kind of like role-playing adventure kind of games, which uh-huh. weren't, weren't like blowing shit up. The Amiga 500 was primarily a graphics computer, uh-huh. so if you wanted to do animations and stuff. But a mate of mine, his dad owned a computer store, and he had an Amiga 500, and we'd just play games. And so when mum said, what computer do you want? <laughs> I'm like, not the one I can do my homework on. I want the one with the awesome right. games. Yeah, I don't want the one that I have to learn about computing. That's yeah. what <laughs> That's what I always thought about IBM computers. We're like, oh, no, you have to actually know things about computers. Yeah. Whereas like an Apple, it just like has a button that looks like the trash. Maybe I drag it into that. That yeah. makes sense. Um, but um, yeah, okay. So the Omega 500, you play games. What sort of games were you oh into? Man. And this was back when, you know what it was? This was pre-torrenting torrenting. Because Omega 500, the other great thing about it was it was easy to copy the games to share. Uh-huh. So one of your mates would buy a game, you just uh, you'd install a like a copy program, right? And then this is floppy disks, kids. That's why <laughs> there was that, these things by, called floppy. By the disks. way, what Charlie's explaining right now is the business model by which Omega 500 isn't around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> They're really good, man, but you could just copy their shit for free. They went out of business six weeks later. No, I remember because it like you would literally have a box of games next to your computer, like a hundred kind of floppy disks of games uh-huh. copied off your mates. But there were always a few jewels in the crown because I think the programmers had worked out that that's what was going on. So some were very difficult to crack in terms of you couldn't just copy. 
And I remember a mate of mine coming to school one day, we would have been like, I don't know, 13 or 14, very excited. And he said, oh, my older brother brought home this disc from like America. It's uh, got this um, copy program called X-Copy, which is like, it was like the Terminator of copy programs and it could crack any fucking game. And it was like, I remember you, you would you'd open the interface of the copy thing, you'd, you'd put the copy uh, disc in, open the interface, pull the copy disc out, then put in the game you wanted to copy from. And then like lights would blink up as like information was being transferred. What I love about the lifetime we've lived, by the way, is there is a time where what you're explaining to me would seem like the fucking future. <laughs> Whereas like now, yeah, no, like, you're like, oh my God, remember when you had to put in one disc to copy another disc? If you, had you to put did in another a remake of Back to the Future... This is what, like, the teenager from now would be watching, would be, like, kids using floppy disks and stuff. And it was... But it was... It was... I... I'm not a gamer. It's why time travel would be more difficult than it's ever, like, portrayed as being. Because we think of all the obvious things. But to be honest, like, the most interesting, difficult day-to-day things would be, like, if you went back 20 or 30 years now, you'd think you'd fucking nail it. But the truth is you've forgotten how to use all that technology and you'd be constantly frustrated frustrated. by the fact that you can't do things with the ease that you can now do them. Yeah. So what? You're like, how can I get to my job when I have to go to the library to look up something? Can you imagine trying to book a flight? Like oh. 15 years ago. You Mate. have to actually call, go into a travel agent or call an airline right. and have them read the flights out to you. And they'd print out those tickets on those oh. old school have to pick tickets. Up, then you'd have to pick up. Right. Oh, my God. Before you went to the airport. I now to- you just wave your phone at a machine and you're on a fucking plane. In the old days, you had to go and see a separate business and like get them to print something out that you picked up before you went to the airport. Did you ever travel with traveler's checks? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because first time I traveled. You didn't want to travel with a credit card. You couldn't. I mean, <laughs> the rest of the world is full of criminals as far as we've been told. You'd get a bum bag that you yeah. could like strap under your clothes. Exactly what I did. And put about 500 bucks worth of traveler's, traveler's checks. checks. <laughs> oh my God. Do we sound like the oldest man in the world? I mean, it's crazy that that's happened within our lifetimes. Like, I, you know, I mean, I was reading an article today about um, uh, driverless cars and they're saying that they think that well this guy who had written this article was saying in fact he's probably a bit countercultural his opinion but it was a really fascinating thing he thinks you know everyone's talking about like wearable technology and stuff like that I'm overly extrapolating his premise now by the way but like I here's what I connected with this idea. Like this idea that Apple have launched like the Apple Watch and Google went with Google Glass and all those sort of things, but they haven't really quite caught on because the truth is that they're not really a necessary evolution of what we already have. You know, they're just kind of an accent on what's... Or- they don't take it to that next level. Yeah, they just he- augment reality. Right. And he said, like, you know, so you argue that idea that we've lived in that age of the internet and then the mobile device have changed things substantially forever. Nothing will ever be the same again because of those inventions that happened in our lifetime that everybody has adopted. He believes the next one will be the automated car. And he believes it will totally transform everything forever. And he thinks it will happen in the next five or ten years. They're predicting, like Elon Musk and these sort of people are predicting that those totally driverless cars, the ones where you could literally get in the car and go to sleep and then be at your destination at the other end, are going to be around probably by 2020. 2025, like there's going to be, they're predicting nearly 40% of cars on the road might be driverless cars. It's going to put massive amounts of people out of uh, work, obviously. It's going to put, uh, save like they think you know tens of thousands of millions maybe of lives you know through like and it's just going to be for productivity so and us on. as human beings so uh it'll be less money 
but uh, more pe- more population. That sounds like a good combination for the future. Well, uh, yeah, well, yes, but are you saying that we should just let, like, drunk people drive to ke- take care of, like, non-population in cities? <laughs> like, I mean, the idea of it is... So what that you're if saying you could... is everyone can be drunk all the time, Will. Right. <laughs> Mate, It'll be like The Simpsons. Since my car got stolen, I have drunk in the day so much more than I ever did when I had a car. And I have decided not to replace my car now because I like <laughs> drinking during the day. And why would I fucking get a car and ruin that? Like... But what they're saying is like things like Uber, yeah. for example, will probably be just be mostly automated cars. Yeah, because it's so uh, safe. Right. And that you can cut the cost. So basically Uber is going to be heaps cheaper than what it is because you're getting an automated car. So why wouldn't you go out at night and just go, fuck, I can get an automated Uber on you the way You get a Johnny home. Cab. Right. From Total Recall. Yeah. Remember Johnny Cabs? Well, they're called Ubers now, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> we live in the future. We live in Total Recall. Like, I mean, it's that's going to happen within our lifetimes and it's going to change... Everything. I think Minority Report also that was a, that was a, a, a prediction they made in Minority Report. Everyone gets around in driverless cars, right? Do you remember Minority Report? <laughs> uh, one of the more interesting things about that idea, another article I was reading about driverless cars. I've been reading quite a lot about this. Is the ethics of driverless cars because computers have to be programmed in a way, Charlie, to make choices. So the way that it works in your driverless car is that if you're in an emergency situation, it's like, you know, assessing how to, like, you know, someone else swerves towards you, the the car has to assess how to best evade that situation. But what if the car starts making value judgments? Because that's essentially, if you've got two... So you're approaching a car with a family of six and you're just you. And your say, car doesn't like you very much anyway. Say, say you have two driverless cars, right? Yeah. And they're in a situation where there's been an unavoidable emergency. And in that moment, the computer program has to make the choice. Mm-hmm. It's going to make the, the the most logical, best choice, right? So that means you maybe you know you or I just drunk in this car on the way home. And there's this like family of like five productive people. We're fucked in that situation. The car's going to be like, fuck this guy. And he doesn't even really claim me that much, you know? Yeah, he uh, farts a right, lot. Exactly. Yeah, fuck this guy. And that's when the scientists are like, you know, when we build the next one on this car, let's not put the smell receptors under the driver's seat. <laughs> Stephen Hawking's like, I warned you about this. <laughs> <laughs> it makes the uh, makes the cars really angry. Right. Yeah, I mean... Why it- did you build smell receptors into the car? We don't know. Uh, we, uh, we had too much money. You know what? We had, yeah, we, were, we had a Kickstarter and more people <laughs> contributed than we thought we were going to. And we were like, well, we've got to spend the money. <laughs> smell receptors Smell receptors. <laughs> We already had one from another project. To be honest, we just jammed it in there, but it's been nothing but problematic. But yes, in hindsight, under the driver's seat was probably not a good idea. I mean, a terrible idea all around, to be honest. I don't even know why we thought them. We just thought we already had them. People will like them, but it's been a nightmare for the company. Smell receptors. <laughs> not one person has liked them. Honestly, not one. Like, and we rolled out a million in the first month. Not one. People love the driverless cars. They could not be happier with the cars. I can understand why it was such a disaster. I mean, my grandfather had a company, and that was very successful. What was that called? Omega Five Hundred. <laughs> in retrospect, calling the car the Omega Five Thousand was. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so that's that's interesting to me. I oh, think, fucking you know. Know. I'm artificial intelligence. I actually would not be surprised if, like, tomorrow there was an article announcing that some, like, robot had successfully performed 
surgery or giving birth or something like that. I hope that's not true because we're fucked once that happens. Why? You know we're fucked once that happens. Why? Like, I know that people argue that we're not, but I can't see... Is it too close to idiocracy? Is it too close? Like, we're going to get so good with technology that the human race can just become slovenly? No, I just think... Look, I've read a lot of things because I was worried for a little while about artificial intelligence. I was actually genuinely, like... because the Sarah Connor. Because Stephen Hawking, like, said... And because Elon Musk and these guys who... Like, I don't know enough about it, but I know that they're smart guys and they have... Like, and I just... You know, and then you, like, fill that in on your natural hunches, you know, which is all what human reasoning is. Just basic fucking natural prejudices backed up by selection. Information <laughs> fair and balanced, <laughs> but yeah, so um, I was worried about it, and then I started doing some like reading and like realistically, like you, you read these articles about like computers passing the Turing test and stuff like that, but they're not really. And to think like human beings, I know, I saw that film Max Machina basically. We want to fuck a robot if it's sexy. I mean, that was pretty much like a, a whole movie that people love based on an episode of Tofu. <laughs> if you had a robot, would you fuck it? Like that was one of the early episodes, and they made that into a movie. <laughs> if I see a movie about a time traveling Kathy Bates, there is going to be serious copyright issues, Hollywood. Um, so. <laughs> No, apparently we're not as close to artificial intelligence as people would have you believe because the truth is we don't even really understand the human uh, brain and how we comprehend and how we access these things enough to ever... Basically, things that replicate and that we understand about artificial intelligence have one specific area of intelligence but are not in a position to replicate the all of humanity at the moment. However, I do believe if we get to a point where intelligence is by itself like, you know, able to quickly become more intelligent than, than we will be quickly left behind. But don't you reckon, I mean, there's artificial intelligence, but if you think of, like, the, the way the internet connects the world now, uh-huh. you know, like the hive, wires, mind, right? hive mind theory, wires. that you can, you can motivate, like, a, groups of people to act as a whole in a short amount of time. That's what the internet has done. Yep. That, I mean, I don't think it's artificial intelligence. It's kind of... It's enhanced human intelligence. That's basically what I th- what is happening with the internet, don't you think? Bas- that you can sort of the way that the internet can sway people one way or the other. Like it can be used for like good or a lot of bad, and that is all controlled by this technology. So in a way. There's a, there is, oh, I don't know, am I making any sense here or not? Well, firstly, I think the thing we should point out, just so that we understand what human beings really are, 40% of the traffic every day on this uh, technology that is either bringing us together or tearing us apart is uh, pornography. So, firstly, <laughs> as human beings, we need to understand that the world has access is it to only a thing. 40%? That well, it's 40 to 45%. Low. It's like a lot. I mean, that seems yeah. low. Yeah. Like half of the worldwide bandwidth. Sunday, of- mo- Sunday morning, about 3 a.m., <laughs> After a lot of guys haven't picked up, it boosts to about 95%. Do you ever read those articles? We've talked about them, or I've certainly talked about on the po- one of the podcasts before, about the articles where internet traffic goes down on like tragedies and stuff like that. It's always great to look back on who wanked during 9-11 or who like, you know, didn't pause for the, you know, the wedding of Princess Kate and like... <laughs> Uh, good times. But yeah, so firstly, that's who we are as humans. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then there's that modern day internet like hive mentality of like you're saying that it can be. Well, it's a hard, be- uh, the, basically, we have a hard drive 
that we now store information on. So it's enhanced intelligence. Right. It seems to me that there's been a lot of repercussions with that. The first one is this idea that you can immediately rally people for a good cause, but you can also immediately crucify people. We have that herd like yes. hunting mentality online that is being used like for good and for evil every day in very overly inflative, reactive ways. We yeah. look at that like news cycle now, everything's a fucking controversy. And I'm not sure, to be honest, that everything should be like I think that we should yeah, be constantly, you know, addressing issues and like, you know, checking our behavior and kind of working out what we're doing as human beings. But not everything is front page news and not everything needs to be at a discussion like it is mm. front page news. Or sometimes that takes away from the actual fucking things that are important. If we give everything that sort of headline, this is the most important story in the entire world fucking treatment, then sometimes when the things that are important, we can't differentiate them with the things that aren't important. Yeah. Like if you talk about fucking Chris Gale, like, you know, flirting with a, like, there's this cricketer, for people that don't know this story, he's a, he's a sleazy professional sports person and he flirted with a female journalist during an interview on live TV, which is not appropriate. She's in a workplace and we're at a point in these days, particularly in a male dominated sport where females are still making their place to embarrass somebody and it's, it's unprofessional and it's sleazy, but that's all it was. Like literally that's all it was. And then we talked about it for three days. Yet our government has a systematic fucking program that, like, you know, that people are dying in, like, custody offshore in our name that we're fucking paying for and people are, like, swallowing razor blades and trying to kill themselves. And we talk about that for about the same amount of time? Nah, but that's too complicated, Will. I like the story about the sleazy guy and the pretty girl. I mean, it's, it's, I understand that. It's a good guy, it's a bad guy. You can choose which one you want, but there's two sides. The other one's messy. That's the details and complex information and <laughs> empathy and stuff. I don't know, it's a lot of work, guys, me. Give me. Tell me another story where a good guy, bad guy, go. All right, human interest. Just uh, tell me uh, like some uh, blind kid and a dog walks into school every day. Just tell me that. Can I, that that's my news, please. Good guy, bad guy, <laughs> go. The story <laughs> of the Australian media. Like, that is... <laughs> That's all I want. Good guy, bad guy, go. Yeah. Tell me a story. <laughs> Something I can understand. Pick a side, get outraged one way or the other. Don't give me fucking grey area, please. Um, we were talking about the internet and yeah. like, uh, you know. That it's controlling all of us. It is the uh, it is the queen alien from aliens. I mean, it's just no. You know what it is? It's just this new thing that we're still getting our heads around. It's a wonderful thing and it's a terrible thing. I mean, like we wouldn't be able to do this, and people wouldn't be able to hear this without the easy access to the internet that this is kind of afforded. Us. <laughs> we? All right, it's nineteen ninety four, and we meet and we uh, want to record our conversations. Yeah. Do we do it? How I mean, far does it how go? How do you do it in 1994? Like, uh, you I can't mean, record on a Discman. No, 94? I'm sure you could. What do you, what, what you record? Yeah, but you can't record on a Discman. Yes, you can. Could can't? you? Yeah, of course you could. Could you record on a Discman? All right, okay. So I never recorded When I was at university in 1996, when you were recording film, you recorded on a DAT recorder, which uh -huh. is a little tape, like it was a, I don't know, tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was high quality. It was a DAT, it was a DAT recorder. That, that was uh, just like a little kind of like case... <laughs> That you could you plug two microphones in that you would use on film sets and stuff uh -huh. to record sound. So that's how we would have done it. Right. But would we have done it? But, no, uh, but hang on. But here's, here's my question, Charlie. Yeah. Even if we recorded it on a DAT, yeah. what would we then do with it? <laughs> 
Like, how would people access it? We'd make a CD and we'd sell it. Could we put it out on the Amiga 500? <laughs> <laughs> Could people burn a copy or something? No, we'd try and get a job on radio. I mean, but that's, yeah, we that's what radio was, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, because there was no podcast. I mean, even old podcasts are like a decade old. Mm. Like, there wasn't really pod- I mean, I guess, was there a version of, like, giving some recorded well, you know what the romantic thing, the old romantic cliche is you'd make someone a mixtape, right? Yeah. Was there like a... <laughs> <laughs> someone made someone a podcast on tape. Right. Fuck, that's great. You know what I mean? Oh, like it's Will. Like, it's like a mixed radio show. We it's have like to a, release an episode on tape. On tape. Get some old cassette tapes and just put it on tape. That'd be good for the Patreon. I mean, it would be one of those things we'd have to back us on Patreon and also I think save some money to buy... Tapes. A cassette tape fire. Because, <laughs> I mean, it'd be great. Why don't we put out a TOEFOP on, on cassette? Like a, literally a cassette tape edition of uh, TOEFOP. Old school, yeah. That, we, that'd be pretty Track great. listings. Yeah. How do we do that? <laughs> I mean, these days there must be a way that we could record an episode of TOEFOP and then like, you know we could be- transfer it to like, you know, cassette tape and then we could just like put it out. Surely if, that would- If we do it. Surely. If we- <laughs> If we do it, though, we should limit it to the number of tapes. Like, make it like, if it was 1994, we wouldn't be able to have a backup that we could make another 500. Oh, no, we could. It's not, it's not the Stone Ages. You know what I love about every business idea we have? Limiting it to an amount where we never make any money. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of giving them away. You know what I'm saying? We should limit it to the amount just <laughs> that is just under... under, under <laughs> Charlie, do you understand economics? No. No, I don't. This meeting's over. I go outside to call you. Hey, mate. Uh, yeah, deal, deal's done. They went for it? Yeah. But they said that we're under profit. I know. It's done, mate. Greed is good. Click. Greed is good. Charlie, I don't think I understand what breed is. Oh, man. But, yeah, we should do that in some form. That would be a fun idea. We should definitely explore that idea. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, i got to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah you should go. Um, uh, do we need to say anything? Hey, support us on Patreon. That would be cool. Yeah. Oh, we're doing a live show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. It's going to be huge. Yeah. Uh, bigger venue than we have done previously. Uh, if you want to get on the list for like first uh, notification about when the tickets go on sale, you can sign up to the Patreon. That'd be yeah, cool. I think it's, support like the podcast. A, it's a second level reward or something like that. You can get, uh, you can yeah. still download the ebook of the hundredth show, I believe. Is that right? Yes. yes. You can still sign up to that one. Yeah. Uh, and the book is finished. We just have to proofread it. Proof is that it. where we're at? So that'll take another six months. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, it's pretty much ready to go. So, yeah, we just have to write a little forward for it. Okay. Um, we just need to uh, check everything's in order. Uh, got a few people to thank. A lot of people have helped us um, put this together. You know, the amazing thing about this is every time we have a dumb idea, there's someone out there who puts up their hand <laughs> to help us execute that I appreciate dumb idea. That. But that's cool, right? Like, I mean, in some ways, we'd be better off without them. If no one put their hand up, we go, well, that's a dumb idea and no more of it. And we would not go on with it. But there's always one yeah. person who's like, oh, yeah, we have a mill house. Yeah. We always have a mill house. There's yeah. always a mill house out there who's like, okay, yeah, I'll come. Yeah, why not? Tofop's new slogan should be, Tofop, it's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is really nice. And 
these books are going to be really cool. And so for the people who have actually actually got them, I hope that you will enjoy them and enjoy the year of half random effort that went into <laughs> putting them together. <laughs> you got shows to promote. Oh yeah, um, my uh, Fire at Will tour is uh, now uh, coming up very soon. Um, so uh, I start in Canberra. There's like random tickets left for a couple of nights, but essentially my Canberra Work in Progress shows are sold out. Um, then They might release a couple of tickets on the day. So if you're that keen to come, uh, you know, just watch out as it comes closer to it. Then Adelaide for the Adelaide Fringe, uh, Brisbane for the Brisbane Comedy Festival. I will say about that one, it's more than a third sold out already. So if you want to come and see the shows in Brisbane, um, I would book for those uh, uh, sooner rather than later. And then Melbourne for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, uh, I will be doing a full run but I'm doing fewer shows than usual. I'm not doing Tuesdays this year. So uh, if you want the cheaper tickets, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Sundays, they're the places to look for for cheaper tickets. Right. I now have a new one to add. Um, uh, on April the 7th, I'll be doing uh, Fire at Will at the Sydney Opera House, Concert Hall at the Sydney Opera House. Uh, it is a Thursday night, April the 7th. Um, it's the only show that we can do in Sydney this year because of some other stuff I have to do later on in the year. Uh, it goes on sale on January 27th. So if you want tickets for the Opera House, it goes on sale on January 27th. Uh, I'll be doing uh, Fire at Will in LA at Nerd Melt, uh, the comic book store where I love to do my shows uh, on uh, Thursday the 21st of April. If you're in that part of the world, and then the first week of May, I will be in Perth doing the show as part of the Perth Comedy Festival. That seems like a lot of plugs, Charlie. I know. I'm sorry about that. Well, there's only is- one thing left to say. This goes with this, and this goes with this, and this goes with that at Suzanne. I'm Charlie Carson. <laughs> I'm Will Anderson. That was Harmony. <laughs>